Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast as a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain Network of Podcasts. Hope you had a great weekend, and I hope that you are ready to get your week started off the right way, and that's with me. No matter where you're listening, no matter how you're listening, I thank you for being a part of the program, and if you're a loyal listener, you are a part of the Ride or Die crew, and you know how much I value and appreciate my ride or die crew so there's a lot to discuss when you think about minicamp wrapping up last week when you think about all that stuff but i want to i want to go in a different direction to start this podcast and this all stems from something that happened on twitter on sunday and it's nothing that happened to me it's not like someone came at me a player tweeted at me or sent me a direct message that's all happened before this all stemmed from an nfl tweet that showed James Harrison's 100-yard interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl 43. And it asked the question, where do you rank this as the one of the greatest Super Bowl moments? And I watched that clip probably three or four times. And every time I watch it, and I've seen it hundreds of times, if I'm being realistic, I've seen it hundreds of times. And every time that I watch that play, I notice something different. Whether it's Lawrence Timmons on the blitz, the up the middle that kind of disrupts Kurt Warner. And I think it kind of distracts him from seeing James Harrison drop, whether it's some block, quite very questionable blocks in the back down the sideline as James Harrison is returning the ball. Maybe it is Larry Fitzgerald running out of bounds and coming back in all, all this stuff that happened. It was one of the craziest plays that I can honestly ever remember witnessing live and probably the craziest play I've ever seen in Steelers history since I've been alive. If those, if you're listening and you were alive for the Immaculate Reception, you would probably say that that would rank up there, if not greater than when it came to just no one thought there was any chance that Franco Harris would do what he did and that the deflection would happen, whether it's Tatum, Frenchie Fuqua, doesn't matter. I get that. I wasn't alive for that. Now, the question is, and this was the difficult part, and I put this on Twitter, and I'd love for you all to reach out to me on Twitter. You can follow me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, and let me know what you think. Was this the greatest Super Bowl moment ever? I'm not just talking about with Pittsburgh. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about in Super Bowl history, was this the greatest Super Bowl moment? I had a, I I did quote tweet it and said it's definitely top five. I would put it in the top three, and I could make a case that it's the top, the best Super Bowl moment for a lot of reasons. I mean, when you think about it, they were on the cusp of scoring points. Let's just say if they didn't, let's say James Harrison drops the ball, or maybe he does what he's supposed to do on that play. He blitzes, and it gets incomplete, whatever. They kick a field goal. That's three points. That changes the dynamic. Or they could score a touchdown. That pass was intended, I believe, for Anquan Bolden. He returns it back. It's a 14-point swing. It's incredible. Just going into the half, just absolutely incredible. But then you think about later in the game, San Antonio Holmes' toe-tapping touchdown catch. And you want to play the what-if game, go back to the pass prior to that. On the other corner of the end zone, it was an easier catch that went right through his hands. 
And you have to also ask, did one set up the other? Meaning, if James Harrison doesn't pick off the pass and run it back for a touchdown at the end of the first half, are the Steelers in the situation they were in at the end of the game, which would dictate a completely different set of circumstances? And on the on the Steelers preview last Thursday with myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Davis, we talked about Ryan Chazier and the what-if factor if he wouldn't have gotten hurt in 2017, but you can't really do that. And I'm not trying to go back and rehash Super Bowl 43, but those two moments, though, from that game, San Antonio Holmes catch, James Harrison's interception return for a touchdown, in my opinion, would be one and two in Super Bowl history. Yeah, there's going to be other people that bring up other moments, and there's going to be even Steeler fans that talk about, you know, John Stallworth's beautiful over-the-shoulder catch against the Rams in the 70s, and I'm not here to downplay those moments because they were all spectacular. Those two plays, though, game-changing plays game-changing plays. Just remarkable. So I'd love to hear what you think. Follow me on Twitter, at jhartman, H-E-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T, and let me know what you think about that. Is that the greatest Super Bowl moment ever? And it's hard to believe because I just spent about five minutes talking about that, that that's not actually what I want to talk about for this podcast. It's just something I wanted to get off my chest. I wanted to talk it out, and it's just one of those moments that it's just you can never see it enough. But we're going to be talking about some of this stuff like the James Harrison interception. Why? We're in the dog days of summer, folks. They, they are here. Whether you like it or not, in the NFL calendar, there's always that six, six-plus weeks where there's nothing. Or you should I say you hope there's nothing. And the reason why you hope there's nothing is based on the fact that if you have news for your favorite team, in this case the Pittsburgh Steelers, during those months, yeah, that's not good. That's a that's an arrest. That's trouble off the field. That's uh, you know it could be a lot of stuff. But we don't. The good news, and I, I tried to explain this to my wife the other day. She was asking about well, what what happens next? Like, what's the next event? And I said, well, this is when you hope there's no news. I said, but there could be some good news. And for instance, if a contract gets redone or they bring in another player, like that's that's news. That's something to talk about. So we'll have some of that. Hopefully there's no bad news. But what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about players to watch during the dog days of summer. Now, if you're sitting there and you looked at the te- the title and the, the headline of this podcast, whatever you want to call it, and you said, oh, what's Jeff going to do? Go down like the, the roster and, and talk about position battles? No, I'm not doing that. I wanted to think outside the box here. I wanted to give you all something special and this is before the second half where I have Dave Schofield on. We're going to be giving you a 53-man roster prediction update after minicamp. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up in the second half. But I wanted to think outside the box. I have five players to watch during this stretch that we call the dog days of summer. Five players. And there's all, always there's different reasons for why I'm choosing these. Again, I'm thinking outside the box here, people. This is not just going to be your status quo. So here we go. Let's get this list started off right. Number one, Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith is on the list, and it has really nothing to do with his performance. I've been been very pleased with Alex Highsmith as an overall player. The pass rushing, we want it to be better. He's a great run defender. And I remember when he was drafted, I thought that he was going to be more of a pass rushing specialist, and he might struggle against the run. And I remember when he came in and started playing a lot, I said, would he be able to duplicate what Bud Dupree could do as a run stopper? Well, he's proven that he's better, in my opinion, than Dupree was as a run defender, but he hasn't gotten to that same prowess as a pass rusher something that Jeffrey Benedict said on one of his shows at one point where he's talked about how Highsmith 
it's not that he isn't good at a pass pass rusher. There are just times where he doesn't get to the quarterback before Watt. TJ Watt's just that much better that he gets there first. But why am I suggesting that you should be watching Alex Highsmith during these dog days of summer? I want to know if he's training with TJ Watt. That's why. If you think back to last season, I want to say it might have been at the end of the year, the, the playoff loss had just occurred, and players are going through the motions with the media, and they're having their kind of end-of-the-season meetings with media members. And they interviewed TJ Watt, and he said, you know, they asked him about Alex Highsmith. What do you think? Is he progressing? All that type of stuff. And he suggested, TJ Watt that is, he, I want to get Alex training with me in Wisconsin and with JJ and Derek. I want to see if he does it. I'm not saying he hasn't done it. Maybe he has, and I just didn't notice. But I really hope that during this time, when you already have heard players that are going to plan on working out together, like the quarterbacks are going to go down to Florida and work out together down with Mitch Trubisky, I'd love to hear that Alex Highsmith, and if he puts it on social media, fantastic. It'll be an article I write. I'll do a whole podcast about it. But if he doesn't, I just hope that that happens because I think that would be something. Get them working together that could put him over the top as a pass rusher. So Alex Highsmith, during the dog days, is he training with TJ Watt? That is something to keep an eye on. Now, the next one, I kind of cheated. I I took three players and put them into one because they all fall into the same category. Chris Boswell, Deontay Johnson, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And those three are there because they all could be getting new contracts. And there's a lot of people out there that say Deontay Johnson's not going to get a new deal. He still has a year left on his rookie contract. And the reason I know that there's people that say that is because I said it. I also fall into that camp where I don't necessarily feel that he should be given a contract. But when you see players like Hunter Renfro getting a new deal and extension, I'm sorry, I'll take Deontay Johnson over Hunter Renfro. And that's not to say that Hunter Renfro is not good. It's just to say that I think Deontay Johnson is better. There is a big difference there. And so Deontay Johnson, is he going to get his contract? We know Minka Fitzpatrick is a priority. He has been a priority since the end of last season when Art Rooney II spoke with, I think it was Missy Matthews of Steelers.com, and he said, Minka's deal is a priority for us this offseason. Minka is following the same path as TJ Watt. He has shown up at every single phase of OTAs. He's been there. Now, he has not, he did not do team drills in minicamp, and he probably wants to wait for a deal. I get it. And so, will he get that contract? And lastly, Chris Boswell. I did not even think about Chris Boswell as a potential new contract guy until. Danny Smith, of all people, the special teams coordinator, said that, oh, Boswell's going to get his deal sooner than later. He said that at minicamp when he was speaking to the media, and then all of a sudden my ears perk up, and I'm thinking, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about Boswell getting a new deal, but he could, and he's worth it, and the Steelers could definitely manipulate some things. And the one caveat with all of this, with all of this, is Omar Khan. A lot of people like myself fall into the trap of saying, They won't give Deontay Johnson a deal based on the fact that he still has a year left on his rookie deal. They don't do that. I think what we need to think about as fans is that they didn't do that. That doesn't mean that they won't do that under this new regime. And when you consider it in that aspect, we really don't know. Omar Khan in his introductory press conference said that some principles will remain 
but he said that he's going to do some things differently. One of the principles is they are not going to negotiate contracts in season. And I think that's a smart move. But other than that, we don't know. We don't know what they're going to do. It could be different. It could be more of the same. We don't know. Next player, Devin Bush. There's a lot of talking points surrounding Devin Bush. You talk about the knee rehabilitation. This is going into a full calendar year now that he's been rehabbed off of that knee. That's important. We talk about him and Miles Jack and with Brian Flores and Tara Lawson as a coordinator. We've all talked about that ad nauseum. Why should you watch Devin Bush during the dog days? Is the dude going to go nuts on Twitter again? And I, you might laugh at that. You might say, wow, Jeff, you're really, this is a stretch. I don't think it is. Here's a guy that had his fifth-year option turned down by the Pittsburgh Steelers, only the fourth player since they started the fifth-year option on first-round picks, only the fourth player in Steelers history that has had that option declined. Is he going to be smart enough to realize that this upcoming season and this upcoming offseason, if you want to call it that, he is auditioning for every single NFL team out there? So if Devin Bush, I want to know, how much is he learning here? How much is he actually taking in and saying, I need to be smarter about how I handle my business, both on social media, the way I train, whatever? Because last offseason, if you remember, during these dog days, Everyone was talking about Devin Bush on Twitter, the videos he was sharing. It looked as if someone had stolen his phone, hacked into his account. I want to know, does that change? Does it change? Because if it doesn't, it's going to tell all these other teams, why would we want to get this guy? We don't need a headache. He's not that good. He's not the Antonio Brown that, you know what, he's a headache, but we're going to deal with it because he's that good. Devin Bush is not that guy. So why should you watch Devin Bush in the offseason? Because I want to see if he's learned his lesson from last year and if he started to make some changes based on the fact that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after 2022. So keep your eye on Devin Bush, especially on social media. Next player, Kendrick Green. Everyone, and maybe not everyone, that's a broad-based term. Let's just say the vast majority of Steelers fans are against Kendrick Green. They think that he's done. They think after year one, they've seen enough that they really have no interest in seeing if this guy can improve. Kendrick Green has an opportunity. Everyone just is assuming, by the way, that Mason Cole is going to come in and be the center. Is he the front runner? Probably. But that doesn't mean that Kendrick Green can't get better. That does not mean that Kendrick Green cannot work his tail off. Maybe he goes down and works out with Marquise Pouncey again and comes back into camp and looks like a completely different player. And I would love nothing more than for him to change everyone's tune about him and a, as a prospect within the Steelers system. Keep your eye on Kendrick Green. Keep your eye on Kendrick Green. The last one is a player that isn't even under contract with the Steelers, but you need to keep your eye on him. And I don't know why. I saw a tweet from him. It was a picture. He's training. He's working out. Keep your eye on Joe Hayden. The Steelers have more cap space now. They could have a need at cornerback. Keep your eye on Joe Hayden. He is a player that we have not heard any inklings or connections with him and another team, and I'm not here to tell you that he's going to come back to Pittsburgh. I'm not trying to sell you that. But what I'm just trying to say in terms of players to watch, keep your eye on on Joe Hayden. Because maybe, just maybe, the Steelers call him up 
as training camp's getting ready to start and say, hey, Joe, we have some money. We have a need. We'd like to bring you back. What do you say? And Joe Hayden, if he has no other suitors, he might say, let's run it back one more time. Let's see what we can do. Just saying, keep your eye on Joe Hayden. Maybe, I hope it works out. I think it would be fantastic. I hope it does. All right, folks, that's it. Those five players, keep your eyes on those things during the dog days of summer. But also, coming up in the second half, my Monday morning conversation, which is also going to double as a feature, Dave Schofield joins me to talk about our updated 53-man roster predictions. There are some changes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday. It is the second half of the show, and that means it's time for the Monday morning conversation. We're going into the BTSC bullpen this week, and Dave Schofield joins me to talk about the 53-man roster predictions. What's up, Dave? Hey, not much, Jeff. I uh, wish I was a more exciting guest for everybody. Oh, no, it's fantastic <laughs> as always. And uh, we're going to talk about this. It, you know, it's crazy because we did this. When did we last do this, Dave? Do you know off the top of your head? It was just after the draft. Okay. Um, before they got into any kind of OTAs. So what has transpired since then? Rookie minicamp was there. We had OTAs phases one, two, and three. Mandatory minicamp, which is technically a part of phase three. And now we have the six plus week break before training camp. So the next time we do this won't be until probably I would imagine right before training camp to see if anything has changed. But there has been some changes for sure as we went through the article, which you can find on behind the steel curtain.com. On Monday morning, I would probably say 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. Pittsburgh time, as we're going to call it from now on. So, Dave, let's get this started off on the offensive side. That's what we always do. The quarterbacks, shockingly, none of us have any changes made. We have Trubisky, Pickett, and Rudolph all making the team. Quick question, what do you, what would need to happen, in your opinion, for that any one of these three to change? It's not an injury. I, you would you would have to I think it would have to be twofold. I think you would have to see one of them specifically not performing in a way that you expect, as well as Chris Oladokun um, per, overperforming what what we would expect. And so far in in mandatory minicamp, I did not hear about either of those things happening. No, no, and and honestly, everyone says, well, may, if Mason Rudolph plays really well, they can trade him. Yes, they could. And that could be an option. But I just think yeah. that the Steelers in this year, they're going to want as many capable quarterbacks as possible. You just don't know what's going to happen. So we both have those three making the team, and that's not a shock to anyone. Now, when you go to the running back position, it's a little bit different. I had no changes. I had Najee Harris, Benny Snell Jr., and Anthony McFarland making the team. But you had a change. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I'm, and honestly, I still don't have the change that I want. Uh, the the change that I did was I I had uh, Mateo Durant in there the first time. I changed it to McFarland for now. I will likely change this one every time until <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm satisfied. The change I really wanted to make is it is it just a whole new name? Someone who's not on the ninety man roster right now. I would love for the Steelers to add someone with a little bit more experience, you know, a, a veteran to come in and compete there. Uh, until they do, I'm just going to keep switching names out because it could really be anyone. But that's something I'd look at more than anything. 
I don't see them, and you can let me know what you think about this. I don't see them adding any running back until, I guess, training camp. I mean, I, I just don't see them adding to that room right now. Do you? I think if they would have, they would have already done it. Exactly. Unless, unless I mentioned this, I think it was on the preview because I was with you. So it had to be on the preview was that if, as time goes on, sometimes a veteran running back was as they don't have a job or an opportunity is willing to accept that they're not going to be someone stepping in and being the starter. So, or, or have a really big significant role. And as the summer rolls on, maybe someone comes to that realization before training camp, maybe it's during or after training camp. But if there's a, if there's a vet out there that, that understands that, oh, I'd be coming in just for a couple carries a game, but mainly so Nashi Harris doesn't have to touch the ball. 700 times a game yeah so that, that, that's that's their goal so if someone comes to that realization and wants to be part of the Steelers before training camp you you can do that but I, I don't know that there's anyone out there that would do that yeah we'll see and and honestly I could see them just riding with the three that I have that's yeah. why I have was my prediction of Harris Snell and McFarland but Dave matches me now but that it. was no no Danny's <laughs> excited about it but no do you match me now at this point because you had Mateo Durant out like you said you'll probably rotate through fullback <laughs> Well, do you have something to say, Dave? No, I'm just going to say, yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to me, I don't think anybody's – I mean, there's no chance that I've seen that anyone's really stepped up to grab anything. So no. it, it could be anyone right now. It's Najee Harris and a bunch of other guys. That's what exactly. it is. So fullback – Yes, exactly. <laughs> fullback, Derek Watt, there's none, nothing really to discuss. But now at the wide receiver position, it gets a little dicey. Uh, I want to say that we have the same – players as i'm looking over our yeah. list yeah we do we have deontay yeah. johnson chase claypool george pickens calvin austin the third miles boykin and gunner olshewski shevsky shevsky gunner o gunner o. yeah there you go now i did write in my analysis here that maybe cody white but more so anthony yeah. miller i just don't think miles boykin and again i have a good friend of mine i've talked about him on the podcast he's a season ticket holder for the ravens even he said, you all will probably turn Miles Boykin into a pro bowler. I said, I don't know about that, but he's a special teams guy. And he said that he is. He said he will go down, he'll, he'll make tackles. He's a great blocking receiver. And as he's telling me this, this is a Ravens fan telling me this. I'm thinking this guy has a spot on this team. Unless he can't, unless he pulls a Dante Moncrief and can't catch the football, this guy has a spot on the team. And even if he can't catch the football, he might still have a spot on this team. But what do you think would need to happen for an Anthony Miller or Cody White to unseat a Miles Boykin or maybe even a Gunner O? Is Gunner O even on the hot seat? I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Well, I hot seat, it's it's to me more of are how how guaranteed is their spot. That's and, and yeah, and I don't see those two, either one of them, in any way, shape, or form being guaranteed anything. Right. Um, either Boykin or Gunner O. So bottom line is. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility for an Anthony Miller or Cody White to to knock one of those guys off. They just got to come out and play. They got to come out and play. And you know it, what is it like? Six dogs, two bones, probably. When it comes to those. Uh, I'm not even sure if there's if there's six other if there's four other guys to go with those two. But about that and. And, and you'd like that, that you come in and it's not set in stone. Last year, we knew, we knew who it was going to be. We knew who it was going to be. And Cody White then got bumped from the practice squad when Juju Smith-Schuster got injured. But we knew who the five were last year. We had a feeling they were going to keep five. I, I like keeping six. To me, that's almost a bigger story here is the number of receivers at the yeah. moment. 
they're gonna someone like Gunner O and Miles, but really, I'm sorry, someone is gonna need that's I'm saying like Anthony Miller or Cody yeah. White. They're gonna need help. And then you know who they're gonna need help from? They're gonna need help from Calvin Austin the third. What they're mm-hmm. gonna need from Calvin Austin the third is for him to show that he is competent at returning kicks. And yeah. if he is a guy that can bring more offense than Gunner O, and he can also return kicks, Gunner O is then expendable, and they can just get rid of him. But that would open up a spot for someone maybe like Miller or White to take that spot. They're going to need some help. It's That's going to be an uphill battle for them. And let's be honest, injuries happen. And yes. training camp, preseason injuries have always occurred. And it might just work itself out naturally. But we both had the same six wide receivers making the team. Let's go to the tight end position. We have the same three as we did yep. in the last prediction, Friermuth, Gentry, Hayward. We had talked about last time there being the, maybe the outside chance they keep a Kevin Raider. I'm just not sure, or I maybe I should say I'm not sold on them needing a Kevin Raider if those three are healthy. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, what I'm going to say is, you know, maybe I shouldn't listen to Andrew Wilbar chirping in my ear, you know, like, <laughs> like he, he's the devil on the shoulder um, of the whole notion of Connor Hayward's really more a fullback. He's really more a fullback. He's really more a fullback. I, I, I'm not sold on that. To me, people are like, oh, so is Hayward fighting Gentry? Is Hayward fighting Watt? I think it's it could even come down to Gentry versus Watt if you want to think about it, if there's going to be overall four positions between tight end and fullback, if you look at it. And, and with the special teams, Jeffrey Bennett and I laid it out in, in Vertex uh, article last week, and, and I've talked a good bit about Derek Watt, about he's really about the special teams. It's how it is. So I, I think Connor Hayward brings something different. I think Kevin Rader gives you – uh, Zach Gentry at not quite the same level. So that's why I'm, I'm thinking more Hayward just because of having different options. But it's not that Kevin Rader doesn't have value either. No, his value to me is it just as a special teams guy. I don't think he brings much value as a tight end. Nothing that someone else can't do on the team. And when you hear about even a minicamp, Connor Hayward making a diving one-handed catch in yeah. the two-minute drill from Kenny Pickett, that doesn't happen with Kevin Rader. I, I hate Even though he had to wear the donkey shirt. <laughs> yeah, he had to, well, because he got up and celebrated, which great. Yeah. I love that donkey shirt. The Chase I, Claypool, I hope he started that. But still, yeah. it's one of those situations where I hear that and think, man, that's athleticism that Kevin Rader doesn't have. And exactly. so I don't think this is much of a them versus him versus him. I think it's more of a, if the numbers fit and they want him on special teams, that's how they do it. So we'll see. And, and they could always go with four tight ends and five receivers if that's what they ultimately want. Yeah, absolutely. They could. And maybe that's the way they go. If they want to, you're talking ground and pound team running game, running game. That's maybe what they do. Good point. Let's go to the offensive line. Uh, you, we have, uh, some similar players, Chooks, Akora for Dan Moore, Jr. James Daniels, Dotson, Mason Cole, Kendrick Green, we all have as the same. I mean, that's that's your typical standard. We both have nine making the team. Mm-hmm. You have Joe Haig, J.C. Hassenauer, and John LeGlue. I have uh, J.C. Hassenauer. Yeah, same. We actually have the same. And I, I'm, I'm just, I, but that's a lot. You have them in a different order than what I had yeah, written. Exactly. Um, I have Haig beating out Chaz Green. There is a new name added since mm-hmm. we last did this, and that guy's uh, name escapes me. It's Trent. Scott, maybe. Yeah, Trenton Scott. Trenton Scott. There you go. I was close. And um, I'm not sure where he fits into this mix. Uh, do you, I'm not crazy about the tackles. Let's put it that way, Dave. What do you think? I, I'll be honest, and this is exactly what I've said. I'm saying in the article is 
the even when it comes to the glue, Hassenauer, I don't think both of them have to make this team. Uh, I, I think they both kind of offer similar things. Uh, I would probably say Hassenauer over LeGlue based on experience, but it's not like John LeGlue played poorly, and I don't know that anyone's going to be lining up to, to to grab. Everyone's afraid that, oh, the, the other teams are going to grab these guys if the Steelers get rid of them. Was the Steelers' offensive line all that impressive last year that other teams no were lining grabbing up these guys to, 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 to take their the their quote unquote rejects? Yeah, I don't think so. But what my point is is I could see somebody else knocking one or both of these players off this list, but I couldn't tell you who it would be, and that's why I have these guys for now. I don't think anyone's. In- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no one but, is. Yeah, but, no, you're right. No, no you're but exactly. You mentioned it, Green. Um, I think it's Scott. I know. I know his first name's Trenton. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Um, then they have um, a, a couple um, undrafted tackles. I mean, the, one of them is the biggest guy on the team. Um, I would love that. That's who I'd really like to see step in and and grab something and show out in training camp that the Steelers want to keep somebody like that. But I don't know right now who enough that would be. That's why I think it's these other players' positions to lose until someone else grabs it. Yeah, I'm 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 fairly certain, and I say that with 100 sarcastic tone to it. That Buffalo Rumblings, the Bills SB Nation site, and Arrowhead Pride, the Chiefs SB Nation site, are sitting there saying, "Boy, we hope Joe Hay gets cut by the Steelers so we can <laughs> snatch him up." That's not happening, people, so calm down. But do the total, add everything up. If you were sitting there with your penny pencil and you were writing down the numbers, it adds up to 25 total players on offense. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We start off where there were some changes, uh, mainly with mine on the defensive line. So the defensive line, we both have six now. And I'll go ahead and start with my changes. I actually had Stefan to it. I had him making the team. I did not foresee or forecast the retirement. So Stefan to it is out. Uh, I did at one point last time we did this exercise, I actually had seven defensive linemen making the team. And even as I was kind of mulling this over in my brain, I actually added Carlos Davis to keep seven. And then I stopped myself and said, wait a second, can I use this player this roster spot at another position and i decided that's what i'm going to do so i did have seven i cut that down to six just by eliminating to it cam hayward tyson alawalu chris wormley demarvin leal isaiah louder milcom on adams are the six that i have and those are the exact six that you have because you predicted to it <laughs> well you said you're not you're not sure <laughs> he's gonna be back right yeah, I said I wasn't keeping your roster spot for him. That's strictly what I said. Um, you guys can go back and check the tape from when we did this last time yes. on Let's Ride. I said I, I, I just had an uneasy feeling about it, and I said I, I don't think it's fine to keep a 90-man roster spot for him, but I don't, I, I'm not setting aside a spot for him on the 53-man roster until he shows up. And unfortunately, I said the same thing on the Scobro show the night before June 1st, how oh, this, this June 1st date really scares me. And it all came to fruition. I take no joy in that correct assumption. None. I did not want that to be the case, but that's what I was kind of waiting for. And it ended up playing out that way. Yeah, it's a bummer. And so we both have six defensive linemen making the team. I could see a seventh if they decide to do that. But as of right now, we both have six. And so what did I do with my extra player, my extra roster spot? I put it at outside linebacker. I have five. 
you have four. And there's a reason why I have five. And I feel like there should be an asterisk by one player because he is <laughs> position flexibility, as Mike Tomlin would say. Uh, we obviously all have TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Derek Tushka, and Jannard Avery making the team. And I threw in the newest addition to the team. That's Tuzar Skipper. Avery can play inside and outside. So because of that, I threw Skipper in there. I think he's depth that they need at the position. He does have experience both with the Steelers and he was even quoted himself. And I love this quote, what he said when he's been bouncing around from, he went to the giants. He spent time with, I think maybe in Washington for a little bit, he did go to Tennessee and now he finds himself back in Pittsburgh. He learned a lot during that time. And he said, he feels like he's more of a complete player. I hope he's right. I added him, but Dave, you do not. So uh, what did you think about that? Well, and I, I put that there. I so wanted to put him there. Um, he made the 53 in 2019. He just was released after that. He, he made it for a few days. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to, to put him in there, but I just don't know where because, believe it or not, I actually have an article uh, for the website that's that that is entitled uh is that something the Steelers would do that's the name of the article because that's the driving question that I ask myself when it comes to these kind of things and talking about roster and moves and everything is that something the Steelers would do and that's who I was what I was thinking of when it came to Tuska Tushka however you say it and Janard Avery is is that something that the Steelers would do would be to not keep one of those guys? They, I remember last year they chose Jameer Jones over Quincy Roche. I wasn't big on the decision, but I'm like, they must see something that they like. Then they chose Tushka over Jameer Jones and let him go to keep him to keep Tushka. So it doesn't seem like that would be a he that that would be a move that this of a player the Steelers are getting ready to say, oh, well, we we're not going to let him go. They, they apparently like something there, but maybe they won't see enough growth. Maybe that's it. But until I see that, it sounds like something the Steelers would do. And when it comes to Jannard Avery, even though he has position flexibility, we still don't know yet if the Steelers are going to utilize that. We don't know what they're going to do. I like, once again, like I said with Connor Hayward, he brings something different. There's something different he can do. You can put him out there on the field and the defense might not know, is he lining up inside? Is he lining up outside? And just because he's off the ball, does it mean that he's not, that, that he's not going to rush? And you could really disguise some stuff with him. So that makes sense. And because he does that, I wasn't willing to go away from having nine linebackers and I really wanted five for the inside. So I just didn't have a spot for Skipper yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. That's uh, the thing right. I'm saying. Yet. I want to find, I want to see if I can find him a spot and I want to see him show that he can play to earn that spot too. You're right. And honestly, the next time we do this, the next position that the position we're going to go to inside linebacker is the one that I'll probably make some adjustments to. I'm not sure how or where, but there's, there's just, there's the defense. It's a lot of depth stuff, but there's more decisions to be made in my opinion on that side of the ball. Defensively five inside linebackers. We both have, I have Devin Bush, miles, Jack, Robert Spillane, buddy Johnson, and seventh round pick Mark Robinson making the team. You have Devin Bush, miles, Jack, Robert Spillane, Buddy Johnson, and Mark Robinson. Now you made nope. a change. I'm sorry, you, you're uh, Mark Robinson's out. You're yes, Mark, Mark Robinson out. is my is my person who was okay, out. So that's a change. That's yes. a change. Go ahead, yeah. explain yourself. And it's and it's Mark and it's Marcus Allen 
in. Yes. And why did I, and why, I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> I know a little bit. There's to me, it's, it's four guys fighting for two spots. And I, I don't see, I'm hoping that two of them sh- play out well enough that they're going to feel like they need to keep five. I mean, my goodness, if they decide to keep six, that would just, did they keep six last year? There was a one point they did that. They just had a ton of inside line. We both left UG three off this list. Yeah. And I almost put him in here in place of Mar- uh, Marcus Allen, but once again, Marcus Allen coming in and being a former safety now linebacker offers something a little bit different. You can utilize him in a little bit different role. I'm not convinced that UG three and Buddy Johnson are all that different. Um, we don't know a lot about Buddy Johnson, so that's why I I, I didn't do that. Is I didn't think of them being um, a very similar role. Now, why did I take out Mark Robinson? <laughs> Very simple. He's been getting a lot of hype. And a lot of times when a seventh round draft pick gets a lot of hype, that's when you start to say, well, hold on a second. Maybe this isn't uh, what, what it's supposed to be. So I, you know, getting a lot of love, a lot of, a lot of love here behind the steel curtain and everything else. And for that reason, that's why I want to just pump the brakes a little bit on him. I would rather have an expectation of him possibly not even making the team and then be pleasantly surprised if he does play really well in training camp, then it'd be the other way around. All right, let's go to cornerbacks. You have five. I only have four, and this is probably some people would read this and say, oh, Jeff's predictions are off because there's no way they're only going to keep four. Well, there's there's some caveats to this. I did make a change, though. So last time I had Cam Sutton, Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, and James Pierre as my four. I've removed James Pierre and added Arthur Millette because, I, in my opinion, they need more help on the inside than they do outside. James Pierre is not. A slot receipt, a slot cornerback. And so I feel like that that project, if you want to call it that, might be it might be done. And so I have Millette being the fourth, but you have Cam Sutton, Akello Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Arthur Millette, and James Pierre. You yeah. just had all five. And so yes. you're just keeping the fifth. Any explanation there? Well, just because that's one place you don't want to be thin. Yeah. And when it comes to between James Pierre and good old Lustin Jane, that we, uh, I I just think ever since, you know, Terrell Austin came in, the Steelers got Minka Fitzpatrick. It seems like James Pierre is the corner that fits what they want to do more than Justin Lane. Jeffrey Benedict's outlined this in the past, you know, that of, of what the Steelers are doing in the secondary. Maybe they're changing up this year, and that would be different. But to me, if if you're going to utilize the top three of Sutton, Witherspoon, and Wallace, if if something happens there, you've got to have someone else that can at least come in and fill in somewhere. I still think Millette is still more of of your of your slot guy. Doesn't mean that he'll necessarily always be that. Um, meaning that no one else could possibly do that. That's what I mean by that. But I just think you need a little bit more depth, even though he's just an outside guy. You need enough depth on the outside in order to get through the season. I agree. And this is probably a position that I'll make a change uh, as the process goes on. But then we go to safety. We both have five. Fitzpatrick, Edmonds, KZ, Killebrew, and Norwood. We both have the same five uh, to round out the defensive side. And the one thing to keep in mind here, folks, is when you think about my four in the previous category, I, I've been listening a lot to Kevin Smith and even uh, Jeffrey Benedict about how they plan on they they could see the Steelers with Flores having his 
input on the defense using Edmonds more as a slot player, cornerback, defensive back, Trey Norwood and his position flexibility, being able to almost fill in that Cam Sutton role in the dime that adds just all these other defensive backs into the mix. So that's my analysis, Dave, anything to say about the safeties? Yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. And think of last year where they would utilize the three safeties where Trey Norwood was on the field in sub package football. He did a great job in that role when he had to fill in as a starter it was not nearly the same quality as when he was asked to do what was to his strength. But, but for, for that reason, I think Trey Norwood and, and, and Kazee with Edmonds and Fitzpatrick are all guys that could see time on the field. And then miles Killebrew, he's your, he's your, your, I don't want to call him hybrid guy, but you know, a, a guy that could it's close to playing another position. I I, I feel like Kazee and Norwood are guys that are that are that are more corner esque safeties. Where you have guys like Killebrew and maybe even Terrell Edmonds, you could throw in that core category, but definitely Killebrew. That's more linebacker esque safeties. So they're bringing different things, and of course Killebrew with the, with the fantastic special teams. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I I really think that they have a good diversified group in what they can do at the safety position with those five. I agree 100%. And you get that, that's 25 on defense. So we're at 15 of the specialists. We both had Boswell, Presley Harvin, the third and Christian Coons as the three specialists. No need to really discuss that. And there you have your 53 yeah. man roster. I mean, we're going to be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> at the same I mean, time and with the specialists, yeah. unless someone, I don't even know who the other punter is right now. I can't remember. Um, but, but unless someone comes in at, at punter and starts booming the ball, every single kick, I, that's why I think these three are, are the guys of who it's going to be. I agree. 100%. All right. Good stuff, Dave. Thank you for taking the time. Make sure you all check out this article at behind the steel curtain.com. Like I said, it's probably gonna be around nine 30, Pittsburgh time that will it'll be on the website. So check that out. Let us know what your predictions are in the comment section, which makes Behind the Steel Curtain a great community. Dave, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media as well as the podcast site? Uh, do we have enough time in this show since I have the longest Twitter <laughs> ever? You do have the uh, longest Twitter. <laughs> yes, you can find me on Twitter at STLR Superfan Dad. Yes, I had to shorten the word Steelers because I didn't have enough characters, but it's STLR Superfan Dad. And if you add at gmail.com, that's also my email address. But the biggest thing, go to behindthesteelcurtain.com. You can click on any article uh, where I'm the, when the where I'm the author. You should see my information there. And uh, there's at least a couple articles a day that have my name to it. So there's always a way that if you wanted to, you can find me to get a hold of me. Yeah. He does the stat geek podcast on Thursday mornings. So if you're a nerd out there and you love those nerdy numbers and you're a nerd of steel, he needs nerd questions. So fire them away. And nerd anyway, questions. yes, always send those nerd questions to Dave. Uh, I've even given some nerd questions. One of these days I'm going to have you on to debate whether the salary cap is just a myth. I know you talked about it, but I have a, I have a debate to, to, to get with you on that. So we'll do that one time. But for my ride or die crew, thank you all for sticking it out in this podcast. Remember to keep your eyes out on the Twitter feed at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I'll put out the question for questions on the mailbag. That'll be Tuesday around noon. And then I'll answer every single one of those on my Wednesday show. So be on the lookout for that. You know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.